Um, okay, so I really want to kind of do a deeper dive into. Let's just start. We just start that. I want to dive into PL. So let's do a basics. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I know. I'm with you. I agree with you. <laughs> I read your mind what and I said yes. What did you get? I want to talk about PLs. No, say I want to talk about PLs. <laughs> I know. I just said I know. Let's no. do it. You're missing it. I'm Josh Sigmund, and I'm a mortgage lender. I'm also a geek for money, not just earning it and saving it, but literally everything about it. I love that money has rules. It has its truths. I love investment strategies, and I love making money work for us. For so many, money is emotional. For me, it's logical, like a puzzle. My passion is also helping others with their money. I love looking at people's finances, dissecting their puzzle, and rebuilding with strategy and purpose, and I'm really good at it. I'm making this podcast about my money strategies, not the things that are written in books or sold in programs. It's a podcast outlining the lessons I've learned and used for the past 15 years. These strategies help me and those who use them save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. Let me teach you how to build your net worth. You ready? Welcome to Sigmund Sense. So I want to do a deep dive into really uncovering and talking about P&Ls, okay. which stands for profit and loss. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So um, I've never done one. I've never done okay. a P&L. So where, where do we begin? And, and just tell us all that they're not as scary. No, they're actually super easy. As they think, right? So they're super easy if you, if, if you just take it, you know, take a moment to think about it. Um, so Easiest thing to do is this can all be accomplished in one page. You know, uh, obviously there are some businesses that, that it can't because of the amount of revenue, the amount of expenses, but certainly when you're starting out, it, it's super easy to do it in one page. And it's similar in some ways to a, a personal finance budget, um, but you always start with section one of a P&L. And section one of a P&L is just write down all expenses. Uh, so all expenses would include anything from salary expenses, uh, rent expenses, materials expenses, you know, if you're, if you're using copy machines or uh, if you're building a product, what it takes to make those products. I feel Any, like this is, a, I feel like the biggest struggle here is is remembering what they all are. Well, and this is where people think they're doing better than they are. Correct. And so, that, and I know that that's the case because I have people all the time when they get a mortgage from me, they'll say, I made $600,000 last year. And I'm like, the, the hell you did. You made fifty. And and uh, there's what are you talking about? I said I can see your tax returns. Like you wrote off five hundred fifty thousand. That means yeah. that those were expenses. If you were able to write them off, yeah, you didn't make six hundred. You made fifty, right? Mm-hmm. And so so the point is is that you you do this monthly. You do it month in and month out. You you create the category so you don't forget things. So the best ways to go is probably I mean credit one card. your credit card statements and bank statements, bank statements, credit card statements, yeah. and that uh, hopefully yeah, you- are a separate credit card for your you know big tip. Get a single credit yeah. card for your business and use a separate bank state bank account for your business as well. So it doesn't commingle in your funds. Right. So you don't think you're making more than you make. Because where you get re- in a lot of trouble here is you start spending all that money that's showing up in your account because revenue. And then 
We haven't even taken into account taxes yet. Taxes. So which we'll get into in a second. But taxes. section okay. one is expenses, expenses, expenses. Anything that you spend that ties to your business, you can probably write off in large part or most part. You may you may ask this or bring it up later, mm -hmm. but what about one-time expenses? Is that under yeah, section one a, too? It's an expense. Okay. It's an expense for the month. It's not a recurring expense, but so it's actually So these aren't just expense. categories necessarily. No, you, are... but you said the things I forget about. So the first half might be all the categories that are recurring. Okay. Right. And then you can go into and then you, you know, you have these one off expenses. I did a bonus, you know, I mm -hmm. bought a gift, you know, those are still business expenses, yeah. um, but it might be one off for the month. Right. Okay. So once you have your section one expenses done, now, you know what it costs to run your business, right? This is what it costs. And if you do this consistently over time, you get a running average. So you have a better idea to be more strategic about what you want your business to make you if you're gonna spend this much money per month in business. You also know what you've gotta make just to break even. Right. And that's an important subject is, what do I really have to make to just break even before I even get a dollar to start paying myself, which is my personal family budget, right? Mm -hmm. The second uh, thing that you look at is section two income. And section two income usually is zero for most people starting off, uh, but it's something to pay attention to long-term. And what section two is, is income that I made without having to work myself. Income I made without me having to work. Well, if you don't have a team or or multiple people working for you, you are not making section two income, right? Um, now, so it is. What about so? How does how does side hustles play into this? Is this P and L per business? It should be. Should be because okay. you should measure each business health Bus individually. Okay. And the business health is the P and L. Is like the, is, it, okay. is it making so, money or not? Okay, so. Um, income that I earn that I did not have to do. The, um, let's say it's, um, I don't know. I just get a check for something every month. So I'll give examples. I'll okay. give examples okay. in a second. Section three would be revenues that were earned that you were tied to. Okay. Revenues that you personally were tied to. Okay. Section four is just the total. So it's literally two plus three minus one equals two plus three, section two, income I didn't have to earn plus income I did earn minus the expenses equals my net income, right? So in basis, if I stopped right there alone, I'd have a better idea month in a month out of what I made and what I kept because that net income, now you decide what you're gonna do with that. Are you gonna war chest it or are you mm -hmm. gonna withdraw it? Okay, now if you're war chesting it, it's not being pulled out of the company yet, if done right, you're not paying taxes on that yet. Depending on the corporation, there might be different rules. State different states apply, obviously. But and war chesting is leave the money in the company, reinvest in re something re else. Reinvesting, review. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like just even leaving it in the business bank account because I want to hire somebody in three months, right? But the other option is withdraw. So this money is now my money. This is a cash cow effect, right? So now I withdraw that money. For sure, it became taxable at this point, right? Because mm -hmm. now it's now you withdrew the money from the business, so you're being compensated. Okay. Um, before it gets to you, my hope is that you would set aside one third of that for taxes in a separate tax account, Asterisk. because people think that that's their money. It's not their money yet. Right. It's not their money yet. Government gets theirs first, and then you finally, after that, you have seventy percent of whatever the net income was that you're actually going to be able to put into your personal family budget. Okay. Okay. So that is overall. So do you, okay, so yep. in this example, with if you're going to withdraw it, yep. do you withdraw it down to zero? 
you can do down to zero or you can keep it in the business. That's the choices. Or, or am I going to reinvest? Can we reinvest So you can do like it? a mix of yeah, more absolutely. It's your It's your business, right? Okay. So uh, now what do most people do when they have the ability to spend money? I mean, let's party. Yep. So what do you think most people do? They take the money out and they go spend the it. They buy shit. Um, so again, to so each you their could, own. So you could have a business checking and a business savings and you could say, I'm going to take... 40% after I, after taxes or after my one third for taxes, I'm going to take a fourth of that and I'm going to put it in my business savings account. Right. And well, then you the never rest, took it. You never had to take it out of the business savings. You could transfer it and you didn't have a, depending on how you set up your corporations for the business, whole different class. Uh, okay. Some companies do not require, um, do not require you to withdraw all the money in the, in the year that you accrued it. Some do. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. So gotcha. like, for example, I think Schedule S's require at the end, uh, it's not Schedule S's. Um, S, uh, S Corp. Thank you. Yeah. S Corp, uh, S Corporations, I believe require at the end of every single year, 100% of the earnings are passed through to the, the, the partners. Oh. So, so that means uh, that all that money, whatever's left is going to the partners, whether you like it or not, you're going to pay taxes on it, right? Okay. Um, so, but here, but the, the whole point of this little easy conversation mm -hmm. is, do you actually write down all your expenses or not in one piece of page? Do you really understand what it costs to run your business in detail? But in reality, then, you've got a list of expenses somewhere because you're not paying cash. Right. And, and it's the same reason why people don't be do personal family budgets is they just are lazy or they don't like numbers or, they don't, or they're afraid of what it tells them. Yeah, it makes right? you sick. Ugh. Makes you sick. So now I'll tell you what the first goal is. Okay. So the first goal of a P&L is make money. Okay. Sounds simple, but it's not, it's not rocket science. The first rule of the P&L is we need to have a profit at the end of every month. Okay. So we've got to make more revenue. Is there like, do you have any like rules of thumb? Like what you should be shooting for your first? No, no. Like, like don't go broke. You can't just, go broke making a profit. Just So the first, literally, I'm, this is the just, simplest way to think about like, just start a business. Step one, like your business will be out of business if it doesn't pay for itself or You'll be funding it from your retirement or daddy's money indefinitely, and that will end eventually, right? So make money. Uh, so rule of one, of the rule of first goal: make sure all expenses are covered by the revenue. Okay, okay that's the first goal. Okay. Second goal is as you move forward now, you have to figure out what it is that the income is for you to sustain yourself, right? Okay. So now. Uh, there's not a rule of thumb. It's you know some of us can live off two thousand. Like I remember right out of college. 2500 bucks yeah. a month, no problem at all. Yeah, Today totally. with three kids, big problem. Not so much. Right? Yeah. So now you're going to create a target of what I want to grow it to. There's two ways to grow uh, grow your income to your target. One is reduce expenses. Second one is increase revenue. Right? So which usually comes or back to- Or ideally both. Right? Difficult. Yes, ideally <laughs> both. Difficult to do both as you grow a business, right? Usually your expenses go up as you make more money. Um, but the goal would be for the it be an, uh, an exponential increase in income with a linear increase in expenses. So you want to, this what I mean by that is a yeah. slow and steady increase in expenses with a higher than that growth in your uh, in yeah. your revenues, right? Okay. So as this happens, now we're probably mainly all section three income because we're the ones doing all the heavy lifting and we're making a lot of money. But we're constantly called back into the operations. Yeah. Constantly called back to be the CFO of the PL. We're constantly doing that stuff, which are marking ups and downs. We have this infrequent uh, or, or inconsistent revenue stream, right? 
So now we finally decided to hire people. Okay. So let's just use your example of you want to hire somebody to market for you. You want to hire a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Well, great. Now you're still going to do your stuff. You're still going to have your conversations. You're still going to sell your your stuff daily. Mm -hmm. But now you've got another person also selling stuff daily. Well, your expenses are up because you're either paying them a salary or commission or both. Bonuses. What if they're totally just commission? It's still an expense. Still an expense. Because of, well. Yeah. So what, what ends up happening is whatever you end up pay them is an expense. But whatever the revenue is, is higher than that expense because you're paying a, a commission of the entire revenue. And so, so what do you, what, how are they an expense if you're not paying them? What do you, what's coming? Um, so assuming sh- we don't have benefits and stuff like it's, that. They're still a paid person monthly. Uh, and so that's got to be reflected. But the revenues on section two outweigh the expenses that on section one. So easy example. Somebody sells something for me and makes $3,000 of revenue, okay? And it costs 1500 bucks for commission. Then I'll have $1,500 uh, uh, $1, in expenses. So you got to pay the commission. But I got $3,000 in revenue. So it's going to net out to, I made 1500 bucks, but you got to show it the correct way. Okay. It's still an expense. It's still a revenue stream. Okay. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So the next goal here is, I remember very vividly when I was in this stage is I just wanted to have enough other salespeople, other loan officers at the company to pay for all the expenses, the expenses. so that I could keep 100% of what I did. Yeah. That was it. Like, like that. So that's the, that was the next goal is have enough uh, revenue sources section two of, of activities and people doing things that you don't have to be, be a part of, but you're getting a stream of income on and you're not with, not with your personal hours. Right. To pay the expenses so that when you are working your personal hours, you're keeping 100%, 100%. of your stuff, like right? That. The last goal would be that the majority of your income is coming from section two. Your section one income is a byproduct of the business as a whole, mm. but the majority of the income is coming from section two. So and that's all your hires, all the Right. Hires. So now I've got 250 odd employees as a company. You know, uh, my personal production is a third of my income now. What about employees that um, that are not revenue bringers? <laughs> That's a great question. So uh, this, I hope any employee listens to this one loud and clear. And this really goes back to that conversation about we're all replaceable. We are all replaceable. Yeah. So the question was, yeah. um, what... So he he just outlined the goal is to have section two, which is income he did not work for, cover all of his section one, one expenses. expenses. So what is where do the people that are not bringing in revenue? That's a great where question. do they go? They're a expense. I don't care how good they are, they are an expense. And so this is what I want everyone to hear loud and clear. Okay. Um, Everyone at any company is either an asset or liability. Everyone is, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I define it differently than what most do because I think in terms of the money side, right? So when I think in terms of a uh, liability, it is a check I've got to write every month, whether I like to or not, mm-hmm. whether we're busy or not, it's a straight liability. Straight liability yeah. So having a great lady that op- answers the phone at the front desk, I feel is a necessity of the business. Uh, and they could be the best at their job and they could have done it for 10 years for me and they could make a $50,000 salary, whatever they're making. And 
at the end of the day, there's still a liability, even though they're a great first impression, right? And so those, so section one, they're all so they go it's in all section, section one. one. It's just a salary. It's just a salary. Wow. And they could be doing their job fabulously. So the goal is to get so, off of. <laughs> don't right. be a section oneer. Well, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just kidding. So the so what's the asset is people that do their job well, but also help bring revenue in. Mm-hmm. So why are most salespeople uh, irreplaceable? Not all, but why are most? Because uh, salespeople in general are bringing far more revenue to the company than they are an expense. Than they are. So if I'm looking at two different employees, and let's just say that the market tanks and it's we gotta lay somebody off, and I've got two people doing the same job in my organization, and let's just say they're both processors. So in theory, they're not salespeople, they're they're processors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they're both doing a fabulous job and they've mm-hmm. both been around for a long time. And it's a necessity, and, it's and a necessary Let's just say job. everything is equal for the two of them. Okay. Same salary, same everything. Which one would I keep is a question. And the answer is, is that if this one has never ever gotten a referral, mm-hmm. sent in a friend or a family member, if this person has done their great job all their, all their time, but has uh, not gotten great surveys that uh, resulted in future business. And this one did do their great job, pushed the paper, but also uh, brought two of their family members or friends into the, uh, into our our business and and they got loans and they introduced us to an agent on the other end of the transaction that could bring future business as a business owner. There is no choice. This person could have been with me for seven years. That this is person so for three years. eye-opening too. It's, like that, it's, it's just very like eye-opening. If pe- people that bring revenues to help offset their expenses, them as an expense, are more valuable to an organization than people that just do a great job. So, um, what about how do? Um, I know we already talked a little bit about it, but how do commissioned only? Um, people fall into this. So obviously they're not yeah. an expense. Yeah, so this is a great question because um, what what worked in business last year doesn't mean it's the same this year. And so people get hung up on a, a commission. So uh, as a commission person, I'll just talk to you about what I know about my industry for sure, is that at different times in the industry, there is more revenue per transaction than others. And that's it's compression, it's market compression, it's co- competition, it's whatever it is. Uh, and this is the same for all industries though. You know, okay. like uh, the the cost to make the product went up. Steel tariffs were in, are a big issue right now. So it costs more to build a house. It costs more to build a car because yeah. steel has gone up, right? So if the steel has gone up and the price has remained the same, the expenses are higher, the profit margin is less. So what might have been a reasonable commission when the profit margin like that was like this or what could be justified by an owner to pay is not necessarily justifiable in the current market anyway. conditions, right? So people get hung up on of what I'm worth, mm-hmm. but they have to understand what is the, what is the job worth as well. Um, a lot of these furloughs that have gone permanent, you know, I know a lot of people in the medical industry and insurance industry and uh, medical sales and, and pharmaceutical sales that were very highly uh, sought after, highly compensated people, right? And they got furloughed. And I know a couple of them that were permanently laid off. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, holy crap, this is like some of the best salespeople in the country. I know some of these people. And they got laid off. Like, why would they be the ones laid off? And the answer was, well, it's really easy. They were the highest paid commissions at the company. And what they figured out was if they hired people to service the existing accounts, Mm 
at a third of the commission. Well, or put them on salary, right? You could put them on salary. Or put them on salary or hire somebody with a lower commission cut to service the same clientele. Then those people were viewed as expendable because the market conditions had just changed. So just because you have a fully commissioned employee on your team or team member on your team, Mm -hmm. they're not drawing, they're not getting paid a salary. Mm -hmm. They only get paid commission. They, um, they do say on section two or they, the, the, when the commission is paid, it's out of section two, the revenue they bring is still section, sorry, the commission paid is section one expense. The revenue they bring is section two income. Got it. That's okay. All right. Right. But I think what you're getting at, and this is what I want people to hear loud and clear is what I see more often than not and why it doesn't work long-term and why certain businesses are stuck is because they overpay commission people. Overpay. I'll just use real estate as an example. Um, The value is in the relationship and the lead. Mm -hmm. So whoever the team owner is that has the relationships and drives the leads should make more. The normal buyer rep uh, uh, situation is a 50-50. Normally they'll get 50% of the commission and the owner will get 50% of the commission. The problem is the owner didn't do the computation of the expenses. And so when they back out their expenses, paying for the lead generation or whatever, they keep 10%. And the buyer's agent who had no expenses to pay in bad months or if they took Mm -hmm. off or fucked off or whatever, they didn't have any consequences, they still make 50%. So you've got the owner taking the risk and and doing doing the lead generation, making 10 to 15%. And you've got, in a bad month, taking it all on the chin. And then you've got the Mm -hmm. commission buyer's rep making 50-50 it just is not smart business. It's just not smart business. Yeah. Um, there's all the r- risk with very low reward. So um, setting. Un- so basically, under- that's in that example, they're paying to not have to do the work. And or they think that they're making more money than they are is what they really. Because they're buying leads that they mm-hmm. don't have time to Deal handle. With. Yep. And then they're paying. A lot of money. I've never thought about it that way That's before. what they're doing. <laughs> so you've got these people that are paying yeah. $30,000 a month to Zillow yeah. or whoever yeah. to generate 500 leads they can't handle mm-hmm. a month. So and they then they've got on five different buyer's agents. They're all paying 50 or 60 or 70%. And they're paying the $30,000 a month for the Zillow and to keep 10%, 10% maybe. Yeah. Um, bad business. Like choose to do less loans. I've never looked that's, at it that's that what way. It is. Yeah. But that's the yeah, average. Yeah, do less. Do less and then you with, make more. Well, I'll give a great example. Headache. And I think that he, this is a shout out to Kyle. Uh, Kyle Handy is a great example and I'm, is a this fabulous is, EXP agent. Yes. That's a very close personal friend of mine. Him and Curtis mm-hmm. Dixon uh, ran a team for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they... Uh, they had, they were a boutique shop. They, mm-hmm. Everyone that has ever met them loves them. Yeah. All their clients come back to them again and again. I would highly encourage anyone to use them. They're great mm-hmm. agents. Um, but they grew this team, six, seven, eight people on this yeah. team. And they they were doing more and more business and their volume was doubling. And they were uh, in the green. They were making money, mm-hmm. but they were constantly stressed out. And I was constantly. coaching them at the time and I said, do a freaking P&L. And finally, Kyle started doing a P&L. And after doing a P&L for less than six months or nine months, they disbanded the team. The team. The I, entire I, I, team. That was because, so phenomenal to watch unfold. Because it was very clear that you'll make more money doing a third of the volume, but keeping it all. And that goes to, I mean, there's just so much feeling that we operate from. Yep. And it, you know, we are so busy. Yep. We 
so it feels like we're making lots of money and it feels like we have all these leads coming in. So we must be doing well. That's not the case. And it's, yeah. Until you look at it and measure it and understand it and look what the data tells you Mm -hmm. and make it a non-emotional. And this one was really crazy. You know, this is why I'm really proud of Kyle at that time. Kyle is very personable. So he was very close friends with all the people on his team. Totally, yeah. But the data told him as a businessman, it was a bad business. Bad decision. So yeah. it made it an unemotional decision to disband it rather than trudge along for right. two or three or four more years and doing so- something that was making other people lots of money, which is great. But ultimately, he was the most stressed out. He had the most risk, and his I family mean, wasn't moving forward. Right. It just made better sense for me to have office space and yes. all these things. And he got rid of the office space. He got yeah. rid of the. He was buying all these leads on the internet. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was doing all this. I think what's interesting too is once you have the data, then it makes explaining yep. to everybody that you now have to say, "Hey, we've had a change of plans." Yep. Um, it makes it really easy to explain and understand logically, yep. and so people get it and they're not you know they're not oh you know Kyle's a jerk and I got fired it's like because he had the data to tell I mean it's just very 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 interesting yep and that's that's the that's why I wanted to share a little bit about P&L with with everybody is because I am so glad we dove into that I mean this is the most clear I've ever it if just do it a couple months in a row yeah with any basic business and it makes total sense mm-hmm. when you start looking at it and you're like oh shit i spent more than i made this month even though i felt like i was doing good right okay cool hey i did all this work i was doing eight hours a week and i literally netted a thousand bucks something's got to change something's got to change yeah hey, fantastic you know i worked 80 hours a week but it was battle pay because mm-hmm. at the end of the month i crushed it and i made all this money i, I can justify that in my head and i don't have kids so who cares who right cares? uh or Dude, do I want? Can I keep this pace up? It looks like we're growing, you know, based on the the uh, the expense ratio I've got going on and the profitability. I do think I can roll the dice and finally hire somebody. Right. How much of this profit would I give up? Here's the key. How much of this profit would I give up to buy my hours back or to create more time to do more dollar productive activity? Totally. But it makes it a, you know, uh, it's great that you're asking me for a five thousand dollar month salary. I can afford three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's and if that's not a good fit for you, it's okay. I'll find somebody else. That's okay. It, it makes exactly. it it makes it better. Uh, no, I will not pay you 70 percent as a buyer's agent. Right? Why? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Let me show you how much I spend <laughs> so on a monthly uh, on a monthly basis <laughs> yeah. with the transaction coordinator I pay for, with the leads that I'm buying, with the CRM system that's on my dime, with the office mm-hmm. spends, expense that I personally pay for, with the training that I provide with my team. This is all the cost it takes to close a deal. Until you close over five deals a month, uh, I don't make 50%. How powerful of a conversation though, because there is a lot of heartache in these conversations, specifically in real estate and and with buyer's agents. And often it's, well, everything that I close for my team leader is gravy. That is a very real way to look at it because, well, they weren't going to close it if I wasn't here because they don't Mm -hmm. have time to. Mm -hmm. So this is powerful. Yep. To and then you find to, out people uh, are on, on board with your team too, because a great employee also gives a shit that the boss makes money. We need that, for the bosses to make if money. If the boss is making money and the business is growing, right. it creates stability for everybody. Correct. Um, and that's where people don't really understand it. And I think the bosses hide from it too. Like um, when bosses are losing money, for whatever reason, they don't tell their employees. Well, there's probably some good truth to like scaring the shit out of them, but 
why would you expect people to act differently and change, you know, their mm-hmm. behaviors and results and care, like care about the results if you don't share what's important to you and what is required? Like all of my entire team knows, this is an easy metrics, right? Mm-hmm. The absolute peak performance, almost breaking the, the handlebars, number of loans per full-time employee on my team is about five. Mm-hmm. Like we can do five deals per employee per month with crazy hours, that is the operational limit. At two deals per full-time employee, I have to let somebody go. Bleeding out The team knows I'm losing my ass on a monthly basis. Right. At three loans per full-time employee, the team knows we're in the safe zone. Mm -hmm. So let's just operate between three and five deals a month. Right. Like, that's just like, that's a very clear. And I remember when you were breaking that down and saying like the difference between when you go from three down to two is company ca- lose a hundred thousand a month catastrophic the upswing though if you go three to four it is a huge yeah, exponential huge gain exponential. and so then i think too as employees it helps us to say okay um is it worth like because we all know what comes along with uh more production you know there's more bonuses there's trips you know all the things that mm-hmm. everybody really likes to have um is it worth it? Is that one, you know, can I suck it up? I know three is my comfort, but can I suck it up for four, for this amount of money? Because yep. if we keep you making money, well, Everyone it tends to, yes, it tends to trickle down. Yep. Um, super interesting, super interesting. But you can't have those conversations without, without of them. transparency, without tracking yourself. And that's why mm-hmm. it always comes back to, you got to track your numbers. You got to track mm-hmm. it at home. You got to track it at work. That's part of building wealth. You know, if your business. So if you go, if you mm -hmm. have how many, I guess it's different for everybody, but if you do your PLs and you're in the negative one month, two months, Hmm. three months, Mm -hmm. like, is that a, everybody's different depending on how much money, personal money you have to float the business? It comes down to investors and personal money. Uh, But here's what, what I, I'm very clear about is, is I've done it before. In fact, I shared it with all the mess ups I've had. Um, you're, there's a point where you're throwing good money after bad. And so mm-hmm. up front, like I said, mentally, with this podcast an example, mm-hmm. um, I know it's a lost leader and I make no money on it. I'm Yet. doing it for a year. Yeah, I'm doing it for a year. Like mentally, I had the money, the stamina, right. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to think twice about it for an entire year. Then I'm going to reevaluate. Uh, but it's the same thing with uh, starting a business. Listen, we're going to give it a good old college try mm-hmm. and this is what we're going to attempt to do and this is what we're going to do and we're going we're gonna to lose money for a couple months in a row. Uh, but the flip side is if you're starting that business and the business is going well, and then it turns negative for a couple of months, how long do you hang on for it? Hang on before you make a change, making an emotion, unemotional decision before it comes up. Like, Hey, I, I could lose money for three months, but then I'd have to let somebody go. Mm-hmm. I could lose some money for three months and then we have to get rid of the office. I could lose money for three months and then I have to do this. But making the decision three months ahead of time, like these, of time. these are the rules of engagement. And here's the stepping. There's here's the, the ladder step. There's that. a ladder step down, <laughs> down, backwards and forwards, Yeah, which you've got to do. And this goes back to working on your business, not in your business for an hour a week. Um, just to like, what is the business telling me? Because momentum is real. Mm-hmm. You've got positive momentum and it tends to, to pick up. You've got negative momentum and it'll eat your, eat your business for sure. Totally. So. But I hope that helps. I know we gotta I mean, wrap it up. Absolutely. No, I think it's I think it's awesome. Um, we would love to hear your comments. So yep. if there's um anything that you want to share with us uh, as a listener, please do and make sure that you like and subscribe and tell your friends and yep. um send us emails at sigmundsense 
at gmail.com. Next time, guys. Bye.